The Spooky Hits podcast is back as we head towards Halloween and spooky season. And we answered the question about Don't Fear the Reaper. Is it a pussy song? Let's see. Gorge! <laughs> yes! Hello, friends. I'm the radically hellacious Jamie C, aka Megamix.com, and I'm here with my co-host, the man who's got some lumbo back in the torpedo, slip with five eyes. What's up, Mondo Man? It's it's gonna be throughout this whole fucking episode, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I, I have some Mondo torpedo, but uh, almost missed this show tonight because there's a party in PV. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's episode 66 of the Super Hits Podcast, or should I say, it's episode 666 oh, nice. of the Spooky Hits Podcast. Uh, we are creeping towards Halloween, folks. This week and next, we'll be taking, we have been, and we'll be taking a look at scary songs that will haunt your dreams and trick-or-treat through your nightmares, <laughs> or something like that. Yep. Uh, this past Tuesday, you took us through Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters, which is a Halloween staple. That was a bone-chilling bone episode, big man. Oh, so many scary, like, so many wet pants from people pissing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because we are so funny. Yep. Um, today, I'm going to focus in on a track that isn't a slam dunk Halloween classic, but it's a pretty spooky song nonetheless. It's uh, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Now, um, if you know either of us, uh, you know, personally, you may know why this song is one of our favorites. Yes. Uh, for you goblins, not in the know, uh, this, the track Don't Fear the Reaper was heavily featured in the 1994 film The Stone Age. Yes. Uh, which we have collectively seen dozens and dozens of times. Uh, I would put it right up there on the Mount Rushmore of our classic movies that we still quote to this day. It's a bad uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Like, and when I say it's a bad movie, it's great, but it's also a really bad movie. Like, it's oh. it's essentially a B movie. Yes, a very well produced B movie that yeah. came out at the around the same time as Dazed and Confused. Yes, uh, very guy centric kind of yep. movie. But a lot of the dialogue in the movie centers around this song, which they also play multiple times. Yeah, so they, you know, they, they you know, the one character hates it because he says it's a pussy song in uh, quotation marks mm -hmm. because it is, you know, for 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 the ladies, I guess. Um, and uh, the other, the other, the other character, you know, is trying to convince him, and of course, it all culminates. Um, and you know, members of Blue Oyster Cult in the movie. Yes. Um, I wanted to say we talked about Stone Age. I just wanted to say, for all you more cowbell marks, you need to know that the Stone Age is the real. Mm -hmm. So let's Absolutely. get right into the song, shall we? Here we go. So uh, I, I still love those drops. Well done, buddy. Uh -huh. They are so spooky. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult is an American rock band, and I said is. They are still around. Yes. Uh, they were formed in Stony Brook, New York in 1967 under their original name, Soft White Underbelly. Ugh. Terrible. Uh, the name Blue Oyster Cult comes from the poetry of a band manager, Sandy Perlman. Uh, it was part of his Imaginos poetry, later used more extensively on the concept album sharing the poetry collection's name. In Perlman's writing, the Blue Oyster Cult was a group of aliens secretly guiding Earth's history. Perlman claimed that the name came to him when he saw Blue Point Oysters on a menu. So okay. uh, that's the origin of the name. The band's name is properly rendered with an umlaut over letter O. <laughs> 
this was one of the first bands to use the so-called heavy metal umlaut, a gimmick famously parodied by the fictional band Spinal Tap, who plays the umlaut over the N, the yes. consonant. Uh, the original lineup of the group included guitarist and vocalist Donald Bakdarma Rozier, <laughs> uh, keyboardist Alan Lanier, rhythm guitarist John Weissenthal, bassist and backing vocalist Andrew Winters, and drummer and backing vocalist Albert Bouchard. Okay. Oh, I'm sure he didn't say it that way because he was not from Quebec. Uh, all in all, the band has had over 15 members in its more than three-decade career, though I think that's four-decade career. Might, wait, five-decade career, right? I mean, I don't even know. Uh, they are a hard rock band whose music has been described as heavy metal, psychedelic rock, occult rock, biker boogie, uh-huh. acid rock, and progressive rock. Uh, they have also been recognized for helping pioneer genres such as stoner metal. All right. Uh, when stadium rock concerts began in the 60s, uh, sound broadcast and stage lighting were fairly crude compared to today's technology. As wattage output increased for both, the U.S. government became more interested in forcing decibel limits and optical regulations for rock concerts. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult was one of the groups they were concerned about. BOC's use of intense lasers, strobes, and flash bombs, combined with the high-volume mu- music, often less- left concert goers reeling. This, of course, played a role in the movie The Stone Age, where the character Joe got hit with one of their lasers during a concert during this song. Yeah, he got fucking messed up by that fucking eyeball. <laughs> yes, he saw the gnarly eyeball in the sky. Yep. Uh, so anyway, back to uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Their self-titled debut was released in January 1972. They followed it up with two more albums, but it wasn't until the release of 1976's Agents of Fortune, <laughs> coupled with relentless touring, that the band broke out. Uh, the platinum-selling album, Agents of Fortune, uh, peaked at number 29 on the U.S. Billboard chart, while the cryptic single, which we're talking about today, Don't Fear the Reaper, peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles charts, making it B- BOC's biggest hit. The band became a bigger concert attraction after release of the album, in part due to extensive uh, airplay of the song, uh, and it is to this day a staple of rock station playlists. So let's break the song down a bit right now. Uh, the Ages of Fortune album was recorded in 1975 and 1976 at the record plant in New York City. Discogs list the song itself as being recorded in April 1976. Mm-hmm. Don't Fear the Reaper was written by Buck Dharma and produced by David Lucas, Murray Krugman, and manager Sandy Perlman. According to the Wiki, the song's distinctive guitar riff is built on the... I'm not even going to do it. It's a, it's, a, it's a chord progression that I don't want to read. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's in an A minor, minor scale. You'd think I was a musician at one point. Anyway. I mean, I, I do know it. I just don't want to tell you. Yeah, yeah. it's it's... Yeah, B B seventh, B fifth, yeah. B seventh, B sixth, uh, and whatever that uh, Roman numeral I is one. Um, the riff was recorded with Krugman's Gibson ES one seven five guitar. I of course knew that. I was thinking. I wasn't hundred percent sure, but you've confirmed. It was run through a Music Man four ten combo amp. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I keyed in on that right away when I heard it back in nineteen ninety four. Yes in the movie because that's when i was kind of introduced to the song and uh dharma's vocals were captured on a telefunken u47 tube microphone blah 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 uh-huh. um, sound engineer shelly yakis remembers piecing together separate vocals guitar and rhythm, rhythm section into a master track with the overdubbing occurring in that order uh mojo describes this creation as uh the, the magazine mojo uh guys this is it engineering Engineer Sandy Yakis announced at the end of the first take, the legendary runs in a lifetime groove. What evolved uh, in the studio was extended uh, was the extended solo section. It took them nearly as long to edit the five-minute track down to manageable length as it did to record it. 
So just a lot of overdubbing, a lot of mixing, a lot of cutting. Uh, this was, song was a labor of love. The song, of course, features prominent use of the cowbell, overdubbed on the original recording. Bassist Joel Bouchard remembered the producer requesting that his brother, drummer Albert Bouchard, play the cowbell. Albert thought he was crazy, but he put all this tape around a cowbell and played it. It really pulled the track together. Nice. Um, however, producer Dave Lucas said that he played it, while band member Eric Bloom claims that he was the one to play it. <laughs> I'm sure that after more cowbell became a thing, they all clamored to be known as the one who played it. Of course. Uh, the single was released on, in July 1976 on Columbia Records. The album version runs for five minutes and eight seconds. The single is cut down to a tidy three minutes and 45 seconds. Tidy and, I think, unnecessary. you got you got to hear the whole song. Wait, really like, long. yeah. Uh -huh. Absolutely. The cover is basically a variation. Uh, the cover of the single is a variation on the Agents of Fortune album cover. It's got a magician dude positioned much closer and tilted at an angle as it appears on the album. There are 29 versions of the uh, 1976 release on Discogs. Uh, most versions have an album cut, uh, which is Tattoo Vampire as the B-side. Uh, it was re-released in 1981 and in 1994 as a double A-side with Burning For You, uh -huh. which is also in the Stone Age. Yep. Uh, the first release appears to have been because it was referenced in Stephen King's 1978 novel, The Stand. Uh, the, the start of the book actually quotes lyrics from the song, so they you know jumped all over that. Interestingly uh, enough, Burning for You was also, yeah, as you said, was also in the Stone Age, but actually was released well after the time that the Stone Age was supposed to be set in. So yes, one absolutely. of, one of the numerous continuity errors in the Stone Age. So many continuity errors. By the way, I have a spooky black cat jumping on my desk. Oh, right he's so spooky. Um, I, I have the UK 7-inch of this. Interestingly enough, Don't Fear the Reaper on the A-side is 5 minutes and 5 seconds long. Nice. The B-side is a track called Letter R, Letter U, Ready, Number 2, Rock. Are you ready to rock? And, I love it. And surprisingly, though, not written by Prince. Yes, exactly. And there's a reference, because I'll tell you, I dig deep. For yes. The, mm -hmm. um, the uh, first release, like I said, uh, was because The Stand became very popular in 1978 uh, and, and, and after that. But in 1994, they re-released it because the song appeared in the mini t a TV miniseries, of the stand. All right. So uh, some good marketing by a uh, blue oyster cult. The song has appeared on hundreds of different compilations, hundreds, like, like well more than 270. Cause okay. there was a second page um, that I didn't go to. Uh, here's some notables that I found. Uh, it was on 1977's pure gold collection and pure power albums, both released by KTEL. It was on another KTEL comp from 1978 called the rock album. Uh-huh. You've got a 1982 Hallmark Records release called Rock Hard Hits <laughs> and another KTAL co collection from 1984 called Masters of Metal-Axe Attack. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a 1985 compilation called Metal Mania that also features Michael Bolton and Loverboy. Oh, wow. Metal. Yes. Those metal tracks. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, at this point, Usually I would take this time to run down greatest hits packages that the song has appeared on. But Bluest Occult has so many greatest hits albums. Uh -huh. I feel like I can't list them all. But you know what? I now have rethought it. I'm going to do it. I've, so I've, we've got I've pulled one. Career of Evil, The Metal Years. Mm -hmm. On Flame with Rock and Roll. Workshop of the Telescopes. Don't Fear the Reaper. Here's, a, here's one. Get this. Super Hits. Yes, that's the one I have. Yep. 
<laughs> Don't Fear the Reaper, The Best of Blue Oyster Cult, Then and Now, The Essential Blue Oyster Cult, Are You Ready to Rock, Shooting Shark, The Best of Blue Oyster Cult, Extended Versions, The Encore Collection, The Singles Collection, Collections, The Best of Blue Oyster Cult, Greatest Hits, The Collection, Playlist, The Very Best of Blue Oyster Cult, and The Complete Columbia Albums Collection. And on most of these, NEO has an umlaut. Uh, I have to ask uh, if you are uh, BOC fans out there. Yes. Uh, please tell me because I'm not going to listen to this seven minute track. Is the song Seven Screaming Dizbusters any good? I, I need yes. to know. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I think we can all agree though. Way too many greatest hits packages. Yes. The song, and, and this was actually what I found to be when I was doing my research, really, really shocking is just how many TV shows and movies this song has appeared on. All right. There, here's just a quick sampling. Uh, the 1978 horror classic Halloween. Ooh, spooky. 1990 movie, The Spirit of 76. Obviously, Stone Age, the gold standard. Uh-huh. Uh, also in 94, as I mentioned, the miniseries of The Stand. The 2004 movie Miracle, for some reason. Uh-huh. Uh, in the 2007 Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. <laughs> in the 2008 film Otis. 2009 movie Zombieland, 2011 film The Briefcase, the 2014 film Gone Girl. Here's the TV shows. I'm going to rattle them off. I'm Alan Partridge, That 70s Show, The Simpsons, Veronica Mars, Malcolm in the Middle, Supernatural, Prison Break, Nip Tuck, Parks and Rec, Femme Fatales, How to Make it in America, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Orange is the New Black, Superstore, American Horror Story, Hawaii Five-0, EastEnders, and the 2021 version of The Stand. Wow. Now, for all USNL marks... (laughs) <laughs> the song was memorialized in the April 2000 Saturday Night Live comedy sketch, More Cowbell. The six-minute sketch presents a fictionalized version of the recording of Don't Fear the Reaper on an episode of VH1's Behind the Music. Will Ferrell wrote the sketch and played Gene Frankel, an overweight cowbell player. Legendary, in quotation marks, producer Bruce Dickinson, played by Christopher Walken, asked Frankel to really explore the studio space and up the ante on his cowbell playing. The rest of the band is visibly annoyed, but Dickinson tells everyone, I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Buck Dharma said that the sketch was fantastic and he never gets tired of it, but also lamented that it made the song lose its creepy vibe for some time. Well, now, listen, you, the, you the sketch say, is great. You say the rest of the group is annoyed, but of course you've got Jimmy Fallon breaking throughout and the Horatio whole thing. And Horatio Sands yeah. laughing yes. the whole time. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but of course, the sketch is great. Uh, obviously, the Stone Age for us is the best, but yes, SNL nailed it with that sketch. Yes. Don't Fear the Reaper has also appeared in a number of video games like 1996's Ripper, 2006's Prey, it's in Sing Star Amped, Rock Band, Returnal, and Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Beauty. There are so many live versions of the song available. Uh, BOC continues to tour, and I can only assume they play the song at almost every show. According to Setlist FM, they played a show at the Talking Stick Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona on October 8th, 2022. We're recording this on the 10th, and oh, look, it closed the show. <laughs> yes. In 1978, they played Don't Fear the Reaper on three different episodes of Top of the Pops in the UK. The band has also released eight live albums. I assume Reaper is on at least seven of them. Uh-huh. Because one of them was re- released before Don't Fear the Reaper was recorded. Okay, makes sense. Let's go to the let's go to the lyrics. Oh, I love it. So spooky. <laughs> According to the Wiki, the song is about the inevitability of death and the foolishness of fearing it and was written when Dharma was thinking about what would happen if he died at a young age. 
Lyrics such as Romeo and Juliet or Together in Eternity have left many listeners to interpret the song to be about a murder-suicide pact, but Dharma says the song is about eternal love rather than suicide. He used Romeo and Juliet to describe a couple who wanted to be together in the afterlife. He guessed that 40,000 men and women die each day from all causes, and the figure was used several times in the lyrics, but this number was about 100,000 people too low. Uh, Buck Dharma told CMJ in 1995, I felt that I achieved some kind of resonance with the psychology of people when I came up with that. I was actually kind of appalled when I first realized that some people were seeing it as an advertisement of suicide or something that was not my intention at all. It is like not to be afraid of death as opposed to actively bring it about. It's basically a love song where love transcends the actual physical existence of the partners. That being said, should we find out what they are saying over on Song Facts? Oh, please. Now, Song Facts itself says that Dharma was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat, which got him thinking about his mortality and inspired the song. It's pretty straightforward. Commenters did have a lot of thoughts. Song Facts agrees with Dharma, and they, they talk about Dharma. But in the comments, there's a lot of thoughts and feelings. Okay. So let's start with the Song Facts comments. Okay. Stephen G. from Canada had this to say. It's about a vampire who is seducing a woman telling her, be a vampire, don't fear the reaper. <laughs> I did not know that the Green Reaper was a vampire. I, it's like, don't fear the Reaper. Exactly. Yeah. I thought, is it, is it you from the start of the show? Yes. Uh, later on, Stephen G shows up again because he can't stop talking about it. Uh-huh. He's got this long-winded vampire theory. Here's a taste. He says, just think of all the vampire imagery and the woman that falls in love with him. Vampires fly, etc. The curtains blow and then the vampire is there and the candles go out. She can't take it. She runs to him. He bites her. And now she is like... She is a vampire, and they start to fly. She has become like they are. Okay. Despite all the deep thoughts on song facts, everybody just mentions more cowbell. Of course. Uh, over on song meanings. Oh, yes, please. There are more comments on this song than anyone we've ever covered on this show. <laughs> there are pages and pages and pages of people discussing this track. It is mainly a big argument about whether the song is about suicide, which, remember, Buck Dharma says it's not. He wrote the song. Uh, but there are walls of text. It is intense. Uh, but there are a few other angles that get explored, and I thought I would uh, highlight some of those. So here we go. Uh, Chaos Flurio 24 wrote, I was listening to this song the first time I took my behind-the-wheels driver's test. My instructor gave me a funny look when she got in my car. Needless to say, I didn't pass that time. <laughs> I suppose there are a few things scarier than getting into a car, being driven by a crazed teenager, listening to a song about committing suicide. Jesus. All so right. That one references suicide, but we'll keep going. Armenia's Thunk wrote, The song is about letting go of your petty little egos. The universe is infinite and so is change. We come and go in our little meat suits, but others like us return. The song is addressing this simple reality. There is no reason to fear. Enjoy the here and now and no need to go crazy partying or sink into depression. Live life through its seasons. You are loved. Okay. So don't party, but, yeah. but also don't be depressed. So, okay. Uh, T.S. Ray B. wrote, I've wondered if this song has to do with a young girl being convinced to lose her virginity. The death referred to the song is the death of her innocence. Life as she knew it changed on that night. Her previous life has died. A new one begins. She becomes like they are, i.e. knowing physical love. Disgusting. I, <laughs> That's I, what I said. Oh, okay. I'm, I, I'm not seeing it anywhere in the lyrics that it's about no. banging. Like nowhere. Here are the best two comments. These are for you, big man. Uh, ALHR wrote... This is about Peter Pan. 
if you listen to the words, especially in the last verse, it kind of explains it. And to that, I say, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yes. Uh, and finally, my favorite quote of them all, CJA0127 wrote, I'm pretty sure this song is about his penis named the Reaper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, the Reaper. <laughs> the Reaper. Um, I mean, any favorite lines from you? I've always liked the rhyme in this verse. Uh, then the door was open, the wind appeared, the candles blew, and then disappeared. It's terrible. Terrible. Uh, hey, what about you? Any thoughts? I like the, re- the, the reference to 40,000 men and women every day, yeah. you know, just talking about all these people dying. So, yeah. yeah. Spooky. Yeah, Perfect it's a, for the spooky it's podcast. Very spooky. We go to reception. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, I got chills. It's like it's like The Undertaker just showed up and everybody got goosebumps on their arms. Yes. Uh, Don't Fear the Reaper entered the Billboard Hot 100 on July 31st, 1976 at number 83, sandwiched between Dorothy Moore's Funny How Time Slips Away and Carly Simon, Kylie Simon's It Keeps You Running. Okay. Uh, it peaked at number 12 14 weeks later on November 6th. Slow climb. The re- Would you like to know the rest of the Billboard Top 10 that week? Oh, I was about to ask. Excellent. At number one, the Steve Miller Band with Rockin' Me. All right. At number two, oh my God, Rick Dees and his cast of idiots with Disco Duck fuck, Part One. Fuck. Makes me, you know what? It makes me want to die uh-huh. hearing that song. No, don't fear Terrible. the Reaper. You can go. Just... Uh-huh. <laughs> don't fear him. Yeah. Uh, number three, some CanCon on Billboard, Gordon Lightfoot with The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, number four, Chicago, If You Leave Me Now. Number five, Bee Gees with Love So Right. Number six, Captain and Tennille with Muskrat Love. We've got a number seven, Daryl Hall and John Oates with She's Gone. Number eight, Rod Stewart, Tonight's the Night, open parenthesis, gonna be all right, close parenthesis. Number nine, an awesome song, Heart with Magic Man. Oh, nice. And number 10, Commodores, Just to Be Close to You. And just to tie a bow on all this, Peter Frampton at number 11 with Do You Feel Like We Do. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, In 2017, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper would hit number 11 on the Billboard Hot Rock Songs chart. Not sure why, but that chart is wacky. That same week, Every Breath You Take was number 6, Werewolves of London was number 12, and Bad Moon Rising was number 17. Not sure. I don't know if that was around Halloween, maybe. Probably. I think because I didn't write it down. So absolutely, definitely around number 17 and, you know, streaming, right? Okay. Uh, Internationally, the single edit was released in the UK in July uh, 1976, but failed to chart. The unedited album version was released as a single in May 1978, where it reached number 16. It also hit number 17 in Ireland in that re-release. Now... In Canada, Don't Fear the Reaper was a top 10 hit. Yes. It peaked at number seven on the RPM Top Singles chart on November 13th, 1976. Would you like to know the top 10? I'm fucking dying to know. So this would be a week later of what it was in in Billboard. So it's very similar. We've got uh, Rockin' Me at number one. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald at uh, at two. Oh, beauty. Uh, That's that's way better than fucking Disco Duck, but I guess you're uh, about to say it. Disco Duck's at number three. Yeah. We've got uh, ABBA with Fernando at number four. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Love So Right by Bee Gees at five. We've got That'll Be the Day by Linda Ronstadt at number six. Don't Fear the Reaper at number seven. Patsy Gallant, uh, New York to L.A. at number eight. That's some CanCon garbage. Uh, we've got More Than a Feeling by Boston Beautiful. at number nine. And Beth by Kiss at number ten. That's that's a, that's not a bad list. Not a bad list. Get Patsy uh, Gallant and, and Rick Dees out of there, and it's pretty good. Yeah. 
Uh, over on Spotify, Don't Fear the Reaper has over 416 million streams. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, on YouTube, the official audio has almost 55 million views. Um, critical reaction to the song was mostly positive. Denise Sullivan of All Music praised the song's gentle vo- vocals and virtuoso guitar and haunting middle break, which delivers the listener straight back to the heart of the song once the thunder is finished. Totally agree on that one. Nathan Beckett uh, called it BOC's masterpiece. Um, writing for Pop, Man- My- Pop Matters, James Mann hailed it as a landmark genre-defining masterpiece that was as grand as emotional as American rock and roll ever got. Our friends at Pitchfork oh. referred to the song as a masterpiece. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. In 1976, Rolling Stone named Don't Fear the Reaper as Song of the Year. Um, and 2004, the magazine placed the song at number 397 on its list of 500 greatest songs of all time. However, by 2010, it had moved it down a few slots to 405. In uh, 1997, Mojo Magazine listed the song as the 80th best single of all time, while Q Magazine rated it number 404 in its 2003 countdown of the 101 best, 1,001 best songs ever. Uh, when The Guardian released its unranked list of the 1,000 1, songs everyone must hear in 2009, this song was included. The publication wrote that the song's charm uh, lies in the disjuncture between its gothic storyline and the sprightly Birdsian guitar line that carries it. Hey, pal, did you know what artist has nine entries in that 1,000 uh, songs everyone must hear? I have no idea. Please fill me in. A singer named Prince. Amazing. <laughs> it took me forever. I was up so late last night doing this. <laughs> Let's go to covers and samples. Okay. So uh, the New Zealand band, the Mutton Birds, recorded a version of the so- uh, song for the soundtrack of Peter Jackson's film, The Frighteners, uh, in 1997. Uh, it peaked at number 48 on uh, Australian ARIA singles charts, the only Mutton Birds single to chart in Australia. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. There's, there's not much to it. A Greek duo, Keep Shelley and Athens, released a version of the song in 2019 that was later included on the soundtrack of the 2020 film Unhinged. It was heard during the closing uh, credits. It's a pretty good version. Okay. Pretty good version. Uh, Who Sampled lists 43 total covers. Here's some other notables. Uh, in 2019, covered by Ninja Sex Party. Yes. It's not bad. Okay. I was actually a little disappointed. Okay. That it wasn't like uh, more awesomer, but that's Okay. L.A. Guns covered in, in 2010. Boring. Uh, the band The Caesars did a version in 2005 for the Six Feet Under soundtrack. It's also boring, mm-hmm. which means they just play it straight, right? Like, yeah. it's just... And you can't you can't do it. There is... Anyway, there's a version in 1994 from Apollo 440. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. It's really bad. In 1987, it was covered by the Goo Goo Dolls. It's fast and punky and kind of shitty. <laughs> and we've got other versions by Big Country, Him, and Snuff. And of course, we've got 8-Bit Universe with an awesome-as-usual version. It is pure meaty madness. All right. Uh, a segment of the song was performed by the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the May 22nd, 2014 episode of The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon at the conclusion of a jar- drumming contest between Chad Smith and Will Ferrell because, you know, they look alike. Uh-huh. Uh, in a repeat of the 2000 SNL sketch, after he loses, he plays the cowbell while the Chili Peppers come out and play the song. It's not good. I, I'm sure that Jimmy Fallon was like, it's so awesome. Oh, this is so, the coolest. So great. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, who sampled lists six samples, four not notable. But apparently Weezer sampled this in their 2021 track, I Need Some of That. It's not a sample, really. It's just an interpolation of the chorus melody. And it's a med- uh, melody. It's post 2002 Weezer, so it sucks hard. Yep. 
And there is a song by, get this, Girl Talk. Uh-huh. From 2010 called Steady Shock that samples multiple elements of Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, that is shocking. Let's move on to the music video. Um, it was 1976, so there's no music video. All right. There's some, there's some live clips available on YouTube. They're kind of cool, so go watch those. But that's it. Let's rate this stuff. Yes. Uh, no video. So what do you think of the song, Big Man? So I'm giving this song a five. Ooh, uh, yeah. Okay. I just, I think it's a boring song. I like the, I like the idea of it. I, I like that it's about just not being afraid of death. Uh, I think that the SNL thing was pretty good, and you know, and and I like that it was in the Stone Age or the Stone Age. So for usage and for concept, it's great. The actual song is kind of boring to me. All right. Uh, I just. Don't think that there's much to it. It's kind of, it kind of starts up. It's got that nice starting, like dee 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 dee. But once you get into the song, there's it doesn't really build to anything. Like right, nope. they just they nope. the band sounds the same as they sing, and yeah. I don't know it. it, it yeah, so uh, just kind of a piece of music that covers time. It's not bad. It's not great. Putting it in the middle five. Right on. I'm gonna give it a seven. Um, I like it. Um, obviously, I give it a little bit more for the for the classicness of it. Yep. That it's just, you know, the classic Stone Age movie, uh, Stone Age song. Um, I think it stands on its own merit overall. I mean, it's not the best song I've ever heard, but it's not the worst song I've ever heard. It's, it's, I'd put it in the middle as well, but I bump it up because it's, it's, it's got that, uh, it's got that classic feel from us. I was actually doing this shocked at just how popular it's been over the years oh i can imagine all sorts of different ways Mm -hmm. and um you know it's got a lot of staying power so good on them they've they've carved out a nice uh, a nice uh little bit of uh probably a nice nest a nice uh, little bit of money for this uh for this song so good for buck dharma and the rest of uh all the members of blue oyster cult so yeah seven out of ten for me uh what do you got cooking for us on uh on tuesday buddy before i talk about the next song i will also say i proclaim this song not a pussy song Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> uh, that is my opinion. Even though I'm giving it a five, it's uh, it's definitely so not. Hobbs was wrong, and yeah. Joe was right. That's right. Uh, so I have to ask you. You know, did you ever get any real big perks in your life because of your dad's job? Um, I wouldn't say so. I get a lot of people who know my dad, but I didn't get my job because of my dad. We just work in similar similar kind of fields, but. Uh, in totally different areas. So, no, I haven't. Okay, because I didn't either. But you know who yeah. did? Yes. It's a guy named Rockwell. <laughs> I mean, he got the ultimate kind of shine, didn't he? Yes. In and, more ways than one. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that, uh, a, a song of nepotism, but also a spooky song. Yes. When we talk about somebody's watching me on the next edition of the Spooky Hits podcast, and yes. so until then, go hear this song, all the songs we've covered, some songs we're about to cover on our Super Hits podcast playlists over on Apple Music and Spotify. Or send us an email, superhitspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us if you like more Cowbell, if Don't Fear the Reaper is or is not a pussy song. If yes. you've seen the Stone Age, that would be amazing. We would uh, love to hear from you. Yes. If you are Joe or Hubs <laughs> or Tack or Hanky or Mondo Man, please. Clifton Collins Jr. and you want to talk to us. Yes. We'd love to have you on talks. Uh, yes. Talk a bit more. Don't fear the Reaper. Yes. Please, please get in touch with us. And uh, you can Thank also you. find us. 
<laughs> at Super Hits Cast on Twitter, at Super Hits Podcast on Instagram. And I am Alan. You can find me at Slip of Five Eyes or Slip. I'm Jamie C. I, I can be found on some social media at megamix.com. Thanks for listening, Gremlins. See ya. Mm-hmm.